0: Up oh, a recent blocked by Bogus. Good recovery by Andrew Bogus. Let's get rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues, Mr. Jock Landau. Live in person. Last time we did it was remotely. Uh, Pro was on that one for Pro. For the listeners, it's four thirty um, Australian time. Jock thinks he doesn't sleep, um, but he, he would most likely be sleeping. But
1: welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you having me, mate. You have got a lovely little setup here that I've just had the tour of. Very jealous and um, hopefully emulate it one day. You are the first uh, live interview. here. So Is that right? Yes. You must. You always will always remember you. I feel like I've earned it as well. To be honest with you. <laughs> You it's have? taken yeah. shit from you and, oh, and pro me. for not way me. too long. I reckon this is this is only right.
0: Just fucking up your name and stuff. But yes, Correct. this is the studio that we'll eventually have on camera for you listeners. We're working on it still, still setting things up. But uh what's going on, man?
1: Bugger all mate. I just got done with my bucks party down in Byron, a week out from camp. I'm sure everyone will be stoked to hear that. Um apart from that, not not really uh not really too much. Just been hanging out with India's dad up in Brizzy, who lives up in Brizzy, kind of working out up there. Um, got to run in with the bullets yesterday, and then jumping into camp and like four days or something like that so he's gonna ask you on?
0: about that actually was bansy trying to go out your head because he, he didn't he made the boomer squad oh, they, they moved
1: they moved me to the four so I'm that's to no, no, I not a was, guy you want to wrestle was, with no
0: no i wasn't i had
1: it in the back of my mind i was like oh, i'll just better avoid him a little bit here or, or put me on his team <laughs> yeah exactly I'm sure united were
0: happy seeing you in that uh, bullet shirt nah yesterday. <laughs>
1: mate they jumped straight on the instagram and they were like this burns our eyes or something like that It was gold <laughs> I tried covering it up as well. I got tape over it and everything and they were like- "No, nah, it is Take it that is. shit off. I
0: get, you got to get a workout in when you're in a, in a specific city yeah, and you yeah. have to wear their shit. You have to wear exactly. their shit. That's the way it goes, man. Sydney yeah. Kings, mate.
1: Just invite me down.
0: 100%. Hoops Capital. Hoops Capital East now. I've got a new facility out now near, near the uh, the Swan. So if you're ever in Sydney.
1: Have you guys got Hoops, uh, Hoops City- out in
0: Sydney? No, it's called it's Hoops Capital East. We've got a campus out, oh, we, a facility now that's connected to the um, the Sydney Swans.
1: Who? Who? That's so that's always been there. That's no,
0: like- we just got the deal. Like it's only been open maybe four or five months, and yeah, we right. just got a government grant to um, build a brand new facility out west near our arena. So, so who runs Hoops Capital? That's our. That's our kind of the holding of the Sydney oh, Kings, okay. so Paul Smith. Yeah, right. That's why he's always banging on. I mean, it was, it was he started the name to troll. <laughs> Oh, he is such a troll, man. Yeah, he- and Paul is like people don't understand. Like Paul, Paul gets clicks and and um, it creates debate. But he's an owner you want, man. Like yeah.
1: no, he people, people
0: like- knock him, especially in the league, because he's hard. He's a hard on your sleeve. Like he goes in the locker room and sings after. Does he really When we win, and he comes in the locker room and cries, and we lose, bro.
1: Like he, I've seen videos of you guys after you after you win the championship, and he's first one in there. But he's like, also
0: crying after the game. just to yeah, understand.
1: Right. He's not just a bandwagon dude. That, oh, you great job, boys!
0: And then you don't see, you know, the owners no, you don't right, see right, after right, a right. loss. It's just like everyone hightails at home. He's he's in there like like weeping with us when we lose, man. So that's awesome. He's hard on sleep, and you want owners like that in the NBL, in my opinion. You want yeah, sure. people that are you know he's gonna cross the line every now and then. So be it. But I think it's good for good for business and good for the league rather than where the NBR was 15 years ago right. was, was known owners or faceless owners and then a, a club goes under and you're like well they weren't really that passionate about it right right so it's a big difference but but good season from you man um Appreciate just that's real quick not eye popping numbers but I think you had know, a mm. real solid season six and four fifty three percent uh seventy five percent from the free throw line mm. um one thing I did want to ask I did want to ask you your three your three ball yeah what happened man
1: don't con- know, don't know, mate. it was so it was really strange I went into that um I went into that pre-season just on a fucking tear like um shooting the ball sh- just everything yeah. like uh, i feel as i really like found my my groove as an nba player um i think it. it i was a bit more tentative at the spurs cuz they just weren't really giving me an idea of like what they wanted out of me monty was completely different he was like you know i had monty in my ear um, this is preseason right this is preseason Monty and Mark Bryant who I don't know if you know anything about Mark Bryant but Mark Bryant is a fucking legend' a like, pro yeah. yeah he was my favorite just about my favorite coach I've ever had um and they were in my ear about the offensive side of the ball like look this is what we need from you um you know punish the mismatches pick and pop whenever you feel like playing play in the short role and they just like opened my game up offensively and then I had uh, Brian Gates who's kind of bounced around a fair bit but he was in my ear defensively and he was like, mate, I've watched you play, like I've watched a lot of your clips and you're not that bad defensively. And that was the first guys ever said that to me. And I was like, God damn, like I needed to hear that because I always felt like, you know, I'm not the most talented vertical. I don't have the reach like you did and all of that kind of stuff. But like positionally, I felt like I could impact the ball well. And that's what I figured out this year was kind of how to impact it a bit more defensively. And then you looked at the numbers, like three quarters of the way through the season, the coaching staff pulled up the numbers. And it's like, best pick and roll defensive bigs in the NBA. And it was – I can't remember who the first one was, but then it was Bismack Biombo. At, Draymond at, would be up there, yeah. Yeah, it might have been Draymond. It was Draymond, Bismack Biombo, and then I was clocked in at four. I can't remember who three was. And I was like, when I saw that, it, like that really sparked my confidence more defensively to kind of mm-hmm. take a few more gambles and mess around with things. And that stayed consistent through the whole year. So – um Mate, I, I honestly I came in on a tear. I really gave it to Da and early on in the preseason as well, where we were super competitive. Um, but we were going at like I was going at him, and mate, that was really good for me because Da being a quality big, it was it was just constant pressure by him and CP in the pick and roll, where I just figured a lot of stuff out. But then I was having some success offensively. So um, you know, going in there, I was high level confidence. I shot the piss out of it in um, you know the preseason games that we played. And then, for whatever reason, like just kind of, you know, you, you figure out quickly that the preseason numbers that you're putting up <laughs> yeah. and all that, they're not going to stick. And I had it in the back of my head, like, hey, I've been performing great. So I'm going to be playing like 25 minutes. And then you get to that first game and it's like 14 minutes. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? And then you realize you're playing behind a max player. So he was the first max guy I ever played behind. But my minutes just dried up, and then it was really hard to kind of find a rhythm because it was like a three-minute gap. It was a three-minute burst at the end of the first, three, three or four minutes in the in the second, and it was consistent like that throughout the year. And so then I was only getting one or two shots, you know, from three a game because they just didn't really need me when I was. Mm-hmm. It was different in preseason. I was out there with the second unit, but in the in you know in season, I was out there with Book and CP pretty much at all times. Who so would just be like, yeah. just roll, just roll. So but then, Even I'm, if you have an open one, you feel like- You feel the pressure yes, to shoot. Three it.
0: minutes, I better make this shit. I can't shoot another one for the game, Mate, right? So I started- but just out- just for context for people, you shot 25% this season, but with the Spurs, you were 32.6. Yeah. Smaller minutes, sample size, but I know with the national team, you shot the ball well. I remember our first camp against you, you know, you hit a couple of me and then I'm like, oh, shit, now I gotta get out of the paint on this. Yeah. Then, then you're driving by me. So you you have it. Um, I have it. it was- but, but what I like about it is even though you have it, I think when, when it kind of your percentages went down, you didn't- you know, there is a lot of bigs that then get soft. If I guess what I am saying is, even if you did shoot thirty five percent, I think that can be kind of a detriment to a way in, in a way because then all of a sudden you are not doing what you did in the Denver series and and, yep. and the series against Clippers, right? You are not yep. rolling, you are not getting your head on the rim, you are not getting offensive rebounding position because yep. you are just spaced in three. Kind yep. of Brook Lopez is right; yep. like his offensive rebound numbers have dropped significantly because he started floating to three.
1: Yeah, so like you know, uh you know I, I started the season. I think I started the season like. I'm not even kidding it might have been 3 3 or 4 of 30 like I was shooting like 11% yeah. and I just like I made mean, I started feeling good about myself because I had a few good shooting games and then some fucking nuffy just like posted out like the worst shooter in the NBA by percentage with a minimum of you know 30 shots in you know the first 30 games or something and it was me
0: And you saw it and then deleted your account? I just went bang, yeah, for
1: for sure. (laughs) And then I just went like confidence just went bang and I was like, Oh geez. And so then I went through a rough shooting month. Those first two months were real rough. But then if you break down the season from there it was like it was like 40 percent 40 percent maybe 32 percent and then it, like that what got it back up so i started getting going in the end but you know as you said i realized that i didn't really need to shoot on this team especially when kd came mm-hmm. like there was just no real opportunity for me to shoot because i was playing out of the short roll the whole time which yep. for me is like one of my favorite positions to play out of so it just kind of like that's how the season evolved and I mean, we'll see what happens with Houston. I've I've had a few conversations with them, and they want me to utilize a little bit more. Um, you know, I went and played with them one day and just shot the crap out of the ball, and they were like, "All right, we want you to utilize that more yeah. this year." So then, that's kind of been a bit of a focal point for me this off season. So, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not really too stressed about it anymore because I know that I can impact the game at a high clip by not doing that now, and that's something that I needed to register because of the Spurs. It was just all threes. Yeah,
0: and and. It's, it can be a de- it can be the devil as well. Like you said, you can you can end up getting too comfortable with it and then you end up floating a lot and, and kind of in that no man's zone. Like then mm-hmm. you're all of a sudden, do I crash? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm at the 45 pick and pop. I didn't get it. Do I now crash? Do I get right. back? And then a lot of guys just don't crash. And I think that's where you were really valuable. But also during the season, ha- ha- talk to us about how you handled – I guess there was a lot of adversity I, th- I feel like for you this past season because mm. you were – the rotations were kind of strange from yeah. from the outside looking in. Um yeah. You, know, you need, need to talk about money, but we, as 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 a fan and as someone watching the games, Pro and I talking, it was like shit. You'd have a, you'd have a great run of ten games, and then three, four games you get DMPs out of, out of nowhere, and then we'd be like, oh shit! Like, and and you know, Pro would always say he's gonna get back in the rotation. It'll, it'll be alright. It'll work itself out. But then you come back in three or four good games, maybe a bad bad stretch in a game, and then yeah. yank the end for two or three games. How did you handle that? Just trying to stay focused, especially knowing that. You are, you know, you know, essentially a contract year coming yeah. from Europe. A couple of years in the NBA, really trying to stick in the
1: NBA. Yeah, it was stressful. It was it, just because of that. I was like, if it doesn't happen this year, where I sign like a, a big contract, I, like I don't know when it will happen because I mean we're in it for a bit of security long term, right? And that's and I, and I felt that pressure big time going into this season. And um, once the opportunity was there, and I was like, holy shit! Like I'm actually playing a lot here for those first fifteen games of season. Um, I was like, I haven't, I have a real chance to do this, and so I got real excited about it. And then, to be honest with you, mate, we went to we went to Utah, and this was the this was the first time I got dropped from the rotation. We went to Utah, and I I jumped the ball at half court, which is a huge no no, as you know. Like you just don't trying to get a steal. You yeah, mean yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tried to get a steal at half court. They come down, they dunk the ball, Um, and it was like. We went, we went, we, I mean, we were like 14, and, uh, sorry, we were like 11 and four at this point. Like, we lost that game, and, 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 you know, Monty came to me and he was like, Look, that really changed the flow of the game. I need you as the backup big to be like super foundational and solid and, and not do stupid stuff like that because we just can't afford, whilst you're on the court, to have mistakes. I just want you to be rock solid. And I was like, I took that to heart and I was like, I get it. And, and, you know, it won't happen again. Next game, that's when I stopped playing. Um, so you didn't get back in again. the Next game, I didn't touch the floor at all. Yeah, yeah. And it was my parents and my parents oh, touched think, down yeah. for That's that right, game. I, I, I told yeah. you about it, so I was I was pretty bummed about it. But um, from there, it was it was kind of interesting because it was um, like Biz and I really felt the pressure of like you've got to play well, otherwise the other fellas yeah. coming in. And we would we would talk about it. Like Biz is a fucking awesome guy, so like we would talk about. We were like, mate, this is this is hard work. Like mm. you just never know if you're gonna you know if you're going to be the first one off the bench or if you're going to, you know, um, you know, just be dropped from the lineup halfway through the game. So it was like, you've got seven minutes essentially to hopefully lock in the spot for a couple more games. And that's like a lot of pressure and it's hard to play free, as you know, if you're like really in your head. So we struggled with it a little bit. I know I struggled with it a little bit at times, but I suppose that like having Mark Bryant there, who is a real big, helping hand for me and you know being able to lean on India and my parents and stuff on 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 just kind of getting the frustration out before I went into the facility was super handy um but at the end of the day it was you know it was it was kind of I really benefited from playing with a team who at the time you know we had real championship aspirations and that really like tied in with just like this is bigger than me. And like, I've just got to be the good teammate and, um, you know, hopefully win a championship because winning takes care of everything. And that's what I lived by for the most part of my career. So that, that definitely helped, but mate, like it's no, it's no easy task. Like I was, I was bummed a lot. And, um, I suppose that just kind of feeding back into, well, what, what can I do to get on the court rather than why the fuck aren't I on the court was like a big, um, point for me. So just kind of getting back in the gym and and trying to you know work on the little things that he needed to see me do and like i <laughs> look like it's it's a bit cringe and cliche i suppose but like them just seeing you in the gym doing extra work and all that kind of stuff feeds into like the confidence that gets you back on the court so i did a lot of that and then yeah i mean as you said like i would even even if i got four games in a row and played great i mean i just like they'd turn around and they'd not play me i shouldn't say he because you know you, as you know it's not just monty's decision like it's a it's a yeah. collective so uh, they would just turn around and not, not play me, even if I was playing great. Like, I know at the end of the season, we played against um, the Lakers, Sacramento, and then we played against Philly. And it was three games. And like, I had 17 and something, 17 and 10 or something like that against Sacramento. I had a great game against the Lakers because I think Biz went down with an injury and DA was out. So I had to, I had like another 17 yeah, and 10 games. That was the stretch I remembered. And it- I was killing it. And then it was just like, didn't play it yeah. going into playoffs and it just stopped. And I was like, this is bizarre. Like I've just had these great games. We mm. played against the Clippers with a full roster as well. And I went crazy and then he just stopped playing me. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, I don't understand this at all. So like not easy frustrations a lot of the time, but um, you know, it's just part of the gig, I suppose. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. I think it's the NBA 82
0: games, you know, same amount, if not more practices, shoot arounds, all that shit. It's, it's just, it's, it's easier said than done, but staying kind of level-headed um, throughout it, that was kind of my biggest challenge that I knew. Like, you know, you're just going to stay level-headed throughout yeah. it. You see a lot of young fellas that were in your position. I had a similar thing going to Golden State. So, like, come, going from Milwaukee, number one, number two option for four or five straight years, mm-hmm. going to Golden State and being essentially four, five, six, right? If I went to front office and was like, this is bullshit, where's my touches? Like, I'm You'd be an idiot, right? Yeah, like, and you it's the same do with it. you on Phoenix, right? Yeah, like I you, would got, never. You, you got Booker, uh, you got Durant, you got even DAs, like you said, a max guy, ahead of yeah. you, big money guy. Yeah. You go, hey, like Jock Landau needs some touches, they fucking laugh at you, right? So that's hard for a young player to hear. And there's a lot of young kids that come through and that, you know, you would have seen just been in the NBA for a couple of years, but I, I saw notoriously guys come through and I can do more. It's like, yeah, we get that. But yeah. that's Steph Curry over there, man. Yeah, and man, That's man. Clay Thompson. Like, Oh, I can bucket him. I can, I can do yeah. this. We don't need you to do that. Like, we just need you to come in, like, and be solid. And that's kind of the biggest challenge for yeah. guys trying to stick in the NBA. Mate,
1: we had, a, we had a really special group in in Phoenix in that we there wasn't any of that from, from um, the lower ends of the spectrum. Like, none of, from, like, you know, four down would ever complain because we all understood what was going on up at the top and we all understood that, we were not on the level of KD, Booker, and you were CP. Winning. Yeah, and we were winning. For well, we, for the most part, he did a yeah, allow. We had a there, shocker. But yeah, with the injury, yeah, yeah, had we had with injuries, yeah, the injuries too. Yeah. So like, there was there was no real, and you know what, that injury that injury phase was probably the most frustrating in a lot of ways because. Um, because we were losing so many games and everyone was talking about, but last year we didn't do this and last year, you know, we weren't losing. So what the fuck's going on? And it's like, mate, last year's last year. we got a completely different roster now. Like, what are we talking about that for? Um, so there was just like, you know, that was a time period where you saw a lot of the guys really like step up and come into their own Mikhail bridges. You know, he really came into his Mm. own in that, in that period. But there was like, I mean, the center position was constantly packed out. So there was never a bigger load put on us at all. Um, you know, then we had Dario come back during that period, so he slotted right in at Yeah, forward. and a lot
0: of times the centre position is not a forty, not a forty-eight minute position.
1: No, so, so it's probably
0: a thirty-five, and then the, there's a there's a small ball guy playing the yeah. five
1: for a stretch. So it was like there was no real change to our roles, where you saw everyone else, like you had two-way players being starters at some point. So that was like kind of hard because me, Biz, and Da, or I mean Da, was always playing his thirty-five minutes a night, but me and Biz were always sitting there like, man, all these guys are getting more burn, more minutes, and like you're watching them, and you're like. I wish that, like you know, we could be out there doing that, but Da was always consistently there. So that that period was was one of the tougher periods, just because we saw a lot of people having some serious success and coming into their own, but we were just continuing with the same roles.
0: Yeah, it makes it, it makes it hard. Man. Yeah, it's 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 yeah,
1: it's it's just such
0: an adjustment. I think um, mid tier teams, they usually that's what makes and breaks for teams. It's like do you have buy in from the bench and the younger guys, and you see a lot of a lot of guys come in that are. You know that can't buy a role. Yeah. Um, that's why you always look at like you look at G League, right? You look at who the leading scorers are in the G League. Then they ever really get call ups? No, ever really. Leading rebounder though, you get a call up. Yeah, you don't leading, need more scorers. Yeah, exactly. And You're that's right. what that that was like. We had we had a guy uh, in LA that he was uh, when I was in the Lakers and he was a leading scorer and he was a great great scorer, great bucket. And um he was frustrated that he you know couldn't show what he could do. And I'm like, dude, like they don't they don't need scorers. They need you know, if you're a guard, pick up full court. Mm. If you've been caught up, pick up full court. Don't turn the ball over. Right. They're your two goals, right? right? They don't care if you score zero. Just don't – if you do those two things, you'll find minutes because they'll, you know, big, rebound, protect the rim. That's it. Set, that's set it. good screens. That's like, it. They don't care if you, you know, hit five threes in a row when you're – you know, because you're eventually not going to be looked to do that, right, when the guy's back from injury or whatever. So yeah. that, that's the biggest challenge, and I think you, you really figured that
1: out. Denver series is when I really – 100%, really
0: yeah, and you could see like – the only just,
1: reason I got the contract I got was probably because Demma. of what I did in the demo yeah. series. Like, but it was all
0: just effort shit. So it was yeah. all just like, you know, running into Jokic, making him work, making him box you out, trying to get second chance. Op- you know, you had a couple of games where you had, you know, within three possessions, you had three or four yeah. second chance opportunities yeah. to tip out. So like that, that extra shit that no one wants to do is important. But like, if you were like, oh, I didn't get a touch, you know, last possession, I'm out of power. Like for young might- kids as well out there, like it's that next possession, next possession and- I think that's very, that's a very important part of your your basketball journey. Yeah,
1: I gave I gave zero give zero shits about whether or not I was shooting a shot because I knew that KD and Book, given the tear that they were on, were just going to shoot everything. So I was like, well, the only way I can really get extra shots here is if I just rebound the ball and go straight back up with it. And then, you know, defensively, yeah, that's when I was really like, right, the only way because I, I look, I kind of, I wish I'd played those first two games because I felt I felt as though in those first two games we were level headed and we were like, yeah, we can win these. Not to say that we weren't, we we were ever got in the mindset where we weren't going to win, but like game five, when we got it back to two, two, and we went to Denver, it was almost like we've already lost two here. No one's won a game in Denver yet. Like there was a bit of like extra baggage on top of that game. And so it just felt like there was a lot more tension in the room when we went three and four, it was like loose and, and, and we were like, we got nothing to lose. Let's just go. Um, but, you know i had the luxury and i wanted to play those first two games uh, which is what i was saying but like I, I i felt lucky that i didn't because i really got to sit there and like key in on the game and be like right like what are we missing and i just felt like we we were missing making Jokic work i felt like i watched and this is no knock on the other guys on the team but i felt like i just watch him run up and down the court without anyone touching him and he was coming off screens no one was bumping him and I was like, "What? Why, why are we doing this? Like, this guy is just going to carve us up anyway, so we might as well kill him as much as we can when he's, when he's on offense so that when he comes down on defense, like, he's tired. So I was just like uh, – he would come across half court and I would be five steps above the free throw line, even if the ball's damn near behind me, which is a big no-no, and I would just be, like, bumping my shoulder into him, trying to just slow him down as much as possible at any time, like – the ball went up, even if he was damn near running down the other end of the court, not going for an offensive ball. I was just chucking the mm. shit out of him, just like, why not? Like no one else is doing it. So,
0: did you did you notice in the playoffs the level of officiating change? Oh, mate! How so, crazy is oh it? Oh my god! I was how I crazy was, is it?
1: Was, it's nuts because I was getting away with so much. Oh, it's insane. I was like, the whole season, my frustration was tiki-tack shit, tiki-tack fouls, and Monty was like, dude, you got to stop fouling. And then the first possession I touched the court, like proper touch the court, oh, I, he caught the ball. I like pushed him out to half court and I just rode him for like around the three point line, like tan checking him, grabbing him. And then he puts up a shot and I'm waiting for this whistle and it doesn't go. And you watch, if you watch the replay back of this possession, he puts up a shot and I, st- I half stop because I'm like, where's the whistle? No whistle, and it's then he's like bobbling the ball, and then I go and punch, like hit him again, and then they call a whistle. So it was just like once I got that possession, I was like, oh no, I can get away with some stuff this series, and then I was just into it. Oh, it's it's insane, man.
0: Like I really enjoy playoff games, just because so you just know that you can set hard physical screens, you can move a little bit, you can a little bit of hand-checking that there wasn't as many superstar calls. Like, this is probably – I reckon there's, like, 75% less. Like, yeah. three-fourths of them are gone, the superstar bullshit calls. You see, like, the James Harden sweep through fouls. You just don't get him in the playoffs. Yeah. So I always enjoyed it because I felt like it was the, the purest FIBA-type, you know, basketball where it was like, okay, we're going to let the result be what it is by the best team rather yeah. than the regular season. It, you know, they want, stars to, and they want stars to come – score 40 so the fans are happy and all that kind of stuff but in the playoffs you just notice like oh like cause people talk about it when you get in the league oh wait till those playoffs yeah. start young fella you hear all that shit right when I was in yeah. Milwaukee we went once so it was like you always hear from sorry twice we always hear from the vets you like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It can't be that different as basketball. And then you get in there, you're like, holy shit, this is way different.
1: But did you feel like when you got to the playoffs for the first time, given that you'd played a bit of fever basketball, you didn't really notice it? Because people were really talking about it a lot. And when I got there and I got on the court and I had the first little stint against the Clippers, I was like – Man, I didn't really notice it that much. Like, I noticed that there was a lot more like tension in the air and stuff, but I didn't really feel the extra physicality. Maybe it's just because we play that physical anyway.
0: But- I think it's physical regardless. It's just it's just in the regular season, you foul out much quicker. Yeah. So I think the refs just just let a whole lot more mm-hmm. go. It's almost like the refs say, like, the playoffs is for the men now. Like, we're right. gonna you you got to earn it. We're not gonna give you baby calls. Right. And like my first playoff series was against. Detroit with Ben Wallace and Rasheed oh, and McTanner McDyce as like this skinny seven foot young fellow. Yeah. It was just like, holy shit, like the, these guys, you know, and they were just cruise control that whole series and beat us 4 1, right? Like we never, had, never, we slipped in the eighth seed and never had a chance really. But just to get to the playoffs my rookie year was awesome. But um, yeah, it, it definitely, it's, it's just so noticeable. Um, the, obviously, the, the pressure rushes up if you're in a smaller. Uh, franchise doesn't get a big big maybe gets ten or eleven thousand then it's sold out all of a sudden yeah. every game. So it definitely makes a difference there. But I just enjoyed I just enjoyed being able to just lay people out. Like our first playoff run with the Warriors was against um Denver. And that was Ke- a great series. Ken Free used to like mess us up. Like like because he's just all energy and effort. And yeah. I was like, so he used to try to bully a lot of our guys and this and that. Clippers did it a bit as well with Blake and then you know, I'm not taking full credit for it, but when I got there, I was like, nah, like, I start clotheslining some of you motherfuckers. Like. <laughs> so I just started, like, I, I just, there's clips on, on YouTube, just for re trying to crash, it, and I'll mate. just turn around and jack him, throw him into it's the great. front row, stare at him, take the, put my hand up, take the foul, like, cool, it's a foul, whatever. Yeah. And, and you need that, right? But yeah, it was just, exactly. it was always fun in the playoffs, man. And it's just a whole, a whole different level. But, um, moving on from that, you, you talk about having a good season, um, you called me, a little bit stressed with your contract situation, mm. a little bit of a lowball from, from Phoenix at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just talk me through that process. It's kind of been your, your first real foray into the business of the NBA, you know. Um, yeah. I'm sure your exit interview in Phoenix was probably all glowing. We want you back. We love you, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, your first offer is always not what you want, but yeah. it's far from what you expected, right? And then Yeah. You, reality sets in of, of how the business works
1: right yeah it's it, the you're right the the exit interview was really upbeat and um not knowing um anything about that the you know first free agency i've ever been in um you know, i felt fantastic and I, f- I felt like i was coming off the high of the playoffs as well i was like man i've really like you know managed to make a name for myself here and this is this is great you know guys like kendrick perkins are talking about me like i was really pumped and then you know you kind of get further and further away from, from the season and you start to realise, like, mm, there's been a lot of basketball played since that second round and, like, you know, the panic sets in a little bit. But the reality of Phoenix's situation was is that they couldn't pay anyone above minim- minimum except for two of us, I think. It was me and Tory Craig. And um, so I was sitting there and I was like, you know, they've got – they can pay up, both Tori and I up to the mid-level, which was, like, 11.7 or something like that. So I was like, why wouldn't they – Give us a, a little payday, like we've we've me and Tori. I felt like had pretty good years. Um, and you know, as you know, like in the NBA, you want those kind of you know six to nine million dollar contracts. We they're very tradable, and and I feel like Phoenix needed that a little bit because they had so many guys at the top end yep. of the scale, and then so many guys at the bottom end of the scale. They needed to throw some numbers in the middle there. So, um, yeah, they they initially um, when that period starts, and you know. I can't remember what the, the dates are and all of that, but when when that period started and they came at us at you know the six o'clock on New York time, or whatever that when it but, opens, yeah, yeah, when it opens is, um, it was it was just a little it was. It was not where we wanted it to be. And like, <laughs> I wasn't asking for, like, I wasn't looking for, like, $10 million. Of course. Like, I was but very it's, realistic. It's about confronting, right? It, it is. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, okay. Like, you know, this is not what I was expecting and this is not what I was, you know, thought that we were, where, where we were at given the conversation that we had at the end of the season. Um, and then, you know... We, we, we kind of – we said to him, like, I wanted – I was really excited at the opportunity to stay in Phoenix and go to war with, you know, Booker and KD and all these guys again, and, and I loved playing with them. I, I feel like I found a home there and I found a role, and we were, we were excited to stay in Phoenix. So, um, you know, we, we just wanted them to kind of have, like, a, um, a, a conversation with us about, like, all right, let's, let's see where we can get this to because we know that this is the offer that you've come with first, but, like, you know, where's your, where's your wiggle room at? no wiggle room, like three times, no wiggle room. And we were just like, okay, uh, this is a bit awkward here now, isn't it? So then it was, it was, you know, I will, right, well, how about, how about, because this isn't going to work and I don't want to get too much into the details, but, um, you know, this isn't going to work. Let's, let's go our separate ways. And that was kind of the conversation we had. And then, and then it was to the, it was to the market and the market's fucking daunting. Yeah. Like, you know, you're waiting on these pieces to fall before you. That's the problem. you got to wait for the big dog. It's it's yeah. the worst. So the big dog was was Brooke Lopez. And, uh, in your position. In yeah. my position, yeah. yeah. And so we, we were waiting on him to kind of make his decision. Um, And we knew that there was, you know, everyone starts kind of coming at you with, yeah, look, we're interested. We'll give you a minimum now, but, like, we'll have to wait until he, see, like, because we're talking to Brooke. And so we're just like, you know, we're sitting there and I'm, I'm I'm panicking for like fucking three days or something like that, like thinking Especially the worst things. Especially when it's quiet, you yeah, know, it not hit you, right? It's just the worst. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the problem was is I was in Australia, so there's like a, Time there's like a six hour gap there where I just wouldn't hear from him, and I'm just like, oh no, what what's happening here? <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, you get, you get fed these little, like, you get fed these little, like, yeah, this might happen and this might happen and this might happen. And from where I've been at and what I've gone through, I knew that until it was on paper, it's all just fucking talk. So, at least I knew that, but it was also, like, detrimental to me because I was like, they're not going to do it. Anyways, you know, Brooke finally... His piece falls and and the agent gets us on the phone and two o'clock in the morning and I miss the call completely and India picks it up and she's like Jock wake the fuck up like you know it's You're over be here at
0: the time right yeah. yeah over
1: here um and so you know I finally come to and and my, my agent you know is he's chatting to me and he's like look I need you to like wake up go have a shower cold water on the face because like Ema is gonna call you. And, you know, the the contract could ride on how well you guys get along. So I'm like, holy shit, it's 2 a.m. Like I've just woken up, cold shower. Like face FaceTime and everything? Was it a face he time? said it was FaceTime. It only ended up being what? a phone call. So I went like fully <laughs> dressed shoot, up. Shoot like, hey, mate, how are <laughs> but it was just a phone call. So anyways, get him on the phone. Uh, we have this great conversation. You, you know, we got some um, – one of my, one of my college teammates is now front of the bench with the Rockets. So we chatted a bit about him and I just think that like our character personality traits and all that kind of a line, like he's pretty intense. And I think that I am as well, as you know, and, um, we really just lined up well. And then, you know, I, I, my agent says to me, I need you to stay awake, um, because this call could come in at any time to agree on the contract. I was like, "Yeah, mate. whatever. Like, sounds good." I hand the phone to India, and I'm like, I'm going to sleep. I'm fucked. Like, I need to get some rest." So then we get the call at like four AM. A couple of hours later, and you know he breaks the news and kind of goes from there.
0: So you you know the numbers before you went to bed.
1: Or did you? No, no, I didn't. So I was in complete shock. Uh, they said we're gonna come to you with an offer. and You're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We had a couple. We had a. Uh, are we allowed to talk about like what other teams kind of float? I don't even know. What what other, other teams what? Uh, like what they float at you and stuff. I
0: wouldn't go numbers. You can
1: talk about yeah, other teams so, so that they were talking to. That's so, fine. so the Cavs and Orlando, um, and Brooklyn were kind of the three teams that were that were putting out numbers above minimum. Yeah. Um, but none of them were 80 year like I got with, with the rockets and the rockets weren't even in the picture because at the time the rockets had set a clock with Brooke, but they weren't really taking other calls. So nobody knew from what I've gathered where they sat on the list of perspective uh, yeah. free agents for, for Houston. So I go to bed thinking that, Hey, I'm probably going to Brooklyn and then I wake up and, um, my my agents like hey Houston's just offered you a 32 million dollar deal over 4 years and um obviously we're fucking saying yes and i was like what like are you serious because at the time i was thinking that the perspective contract was going to be between like 5 and 7 is what i was hoping for and then it turned out to be 8 and i was just like like i had offers i could have been taking for safety you know purposes but i did that in Sur- serbia i went no i'm going to go sign with Zalgiris just for safety on the side. And so the whole time that story was just kind of ringing through my head of like, don't, don't count yourself out yet. Don't rush into it. Just, just wait, just wait, just wait. But they put the pressure on you. And that's the thing. They put the the pressure on you big time. And that's, that's super hard because, you know, as a young kid growing up, you're, you know, you never think at the time that you're going to make, you know, 5 million bucks a year or something like that. And, I was like, you know, even with the Phoenix offer, I was like, geez, you look at this contract and it's it's a lot of money. Like, you know, you break really break it down, you're like, I never. You're staying in the
0: NBA, right? Correct.
1: And and you're staying at the NBA, and it's a shitload of money. Mm. Like, regardless, but I knew what my market value was, and I was pretty confident in that. Um, And so I was like, just wait, just wait, just wait. And then my greedy ass ended up, you know, coming coming through. So it was good.
0: No, it makes total sense, and it's 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 hard because you know the New Orleans, Noel stories of the world can yeah. also, you know, for a guy like you. I want the shit out of you. Yeah. I mean, he had a big offer and turned it down and, yep. and he's been on not very good contracts since then. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, then a Schroeder, you know, yeah. 85 million from the Lakers. and <laughs> comes back on a, on essentially a min, min deal. Right. You, you, know, did he get a big deal this year? He did. Right. No, I don't think so. Not yet. Schroeder coming into next season. Yeah. I'm not sure what he got, but he went into like, uh, you might be right, but it's nowhere near what it's nowhere near the eighty five he was offered. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Um But that was always my thing too. I ne- I never went to free agency. Um, I don't know if you're aware of that. I didn't. I know was that. never I was never in free agency. Um, you just kept you just kept extending. So I did an extension with the Milwaukee Bucks after my third year, and then I did an extension with the Warriors after my f- well, first year. That big run in the playoffs. I did an extension. So I was pretty lucky that I never really went into like that whole. I didn't really like it. I kind of was like, look, I'm happy here. I love basketball. Like, people, where do I sign? It was yeah. kind of that mentality. Yeah. It wasn't kind of like, oh, let me go see if I can get wooed by somewhere else. Couldn't right. be bothered. Couldn't right. be bothered to right. go on a fly and get
1: schmoozed by teams where I was just getting in fights with their guys. Like, you know what I mean? It was just right. kind of a weird thing. So You lucked out as well in the organizations you ended up in, right? Like, I don't know too much about Milwaukee, but- Milwaukee
0: was, when I was there, um, the owner was very nice guy. He was a senator of Wisconsin, Senator Cole, and he was more- as long as I make the playoffs and I'm half profitable, I'm happy. So there wasn't an over incentive to to go real big. Right. And and Milwaukee was kind of a revolving door of a franchise. Like it was I remember like we don't I don't have nine or ten new teammates every season, man. And I'm just That's like crazy. I'm just like, how the hell are we meant to build a culture or continuity or, or getting better? You know, with this kind of this kind of roster turnout every every year. And then the one year we we went well, the fear of the deer year. I see I broke my arm, but we had a really good year. We had Kurt Thomas, he was 39, as our backup, big, awesome vet. We had Luke Ridnow off the bench, Brandon Jennings, rookie year. Yeah. Had this group, and then they just let them walk. They let Ridnow walk for – I mean, you got a decent deal, but they let T- Thomas walk. He's one of the vet men. like, And they let all these guys – and they try to, like, top it up with, with these other, you know, kind of – Contracts that were like, oh, he's a really good guy. Really good contracts, can fit. and it just imploded. Yeah, so we brought another seven new guys in. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, we
1: yeah, you can't. Build we it.
0: finally had a decent year, and now you've gone try to be Einstein's and tweak the roster. Like, bring most of those guys back, but they try to try to outsmart everyone, and it backfired. And then the same thing was with Golden State. When I first got there, that was a revolving door. Like, no one wanted to stay there. You look at it now, and you're like, no one would believe that all these all these bandwagoners are like, right? You know, Golden State's the the bee's knees. Like, yeah. no one wanted to stay there, man. Like, it was insane. Like, we had. You know, free agent after free agent turn us down. Joe Lake couldn't even meet with guys. Guys would shun him and not take his call early on in his process, right? And you see where it is now. So if-
1: your first year there was the year that you went to the Denver series, right? Yeah.
0: Oh, I was yeah. I got traded the year before. I had a broken ankle half through yeah, the year, right. and then my first healthy, somewhat healthy year was that year. Right. And then we started. Well, I mean, Joe, when I got moved, like I moved from Monte Ellis, who was a fan favorite. So right, people hated me when I first
1: got there. Like they're like, we right? traded you, yeah, because they're I was, rough fans too, and because uh, I was
0: hurt. So I was like, I got I got there in a boot. And it's like, wait, we traded Monte for, for you and you're in a boot. Like, what the fuck? So I felt all that, but uh, it's either here or there. But I mean, that's you know, I was with two franchises that were kind of constantly felt like rebuilding, and then yeah. to see where Golden State is now from where it was, right. it takes an owner with, you know, love or hate Joe Laker, love or hate the way they spend, but they've put themselves in that situation. They they weren't, you know, their, their cap isn't a Lakers type where they're just when the Lakers were going to spend, like they've been penalized because they've they brought in a lot of those guys and nurtured those guys, had to pay them. So their yeah. cap's fucked because they've nurtured a lot of talent. Right. You know, Draymond, Steph, Clay all drafted there. Yeah. Um, Wiggins came in that trade. So pretty interesting. But, yeah, you, I mean, look, you, you're headed to, I want to say a basket case for a franchise, but a lot of um, a lot of changes there. Yeah. I think EMA is a very important hiring for them considering the last couple of years in Houston. A lot of young guys that are – it feels like a team that is still in you know, an arm wrestle for, you know, the old adage of who's, whose who's team? Who's team is it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I used to hate that shit because, like, you'd see it in the locker rooms, like, this is my team. Like, the big would be, this is my team, or then it'll be this, no, this is my team. And right. have, it's like, how about we just win? Like, correct. And you could clearly see that that's been an issue in Houston. You've got yeah. the young fellows that are like, who's the one, who's the two? Yeah. You know, the old school, probably before your, your time, Dallas Mavericks, when they had Jason Kidd, more Mashman, and, and, and Jim Jackson it was kind of that thing. They just couldn't get along, couldn't figure it out. And then eventually it just implodes. And then yeah. 10 years later, like, oh, we regret it. We should have worked it out. Shake yeah. your penny, that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, That's what I feel like you're going into in Houston. Um, how do you think you can help that challenge?
1: Uh, I mean, my, my, my take on all of this kind of stuff is, is I don't need to be doing anything extra. And I think that a lot of guys fuck up because they they go in and they're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, take this guy under my wing and really, you know, come out of my own space to, to be extra and like, as you know, there's a lot of extra in the NBA. I feel like sometimes (laughs) you need less of that. And I think that that's kind of the standpoint I take on it is like when something needs to be said, you know, that I'll, I'll pipe up and I'll say something, but like, I'm not going in there to be like, right, like I can come in here and really dominate this locker room and like, you know, correct things. I'm just going to go in there and be exactly who I am. And, um, you know, you hope that guys kind of come along with you. And I think seeing, Early on, uh, I went to Vegas and I kind of, you know, got along with the fellas and, and got to meet them and sit down, watch a couple of games with them in Vegas and stuff, and then play with them. I don't think that there's as bad of a situation there as people might make it out to be. I think that there might, and, and I don't know any of the old coaches, to be honest, mm-hmm. I don't even know their names. I'm useless with that stuff. But um, from talking to email, I feel as though we've got someone at the head of the table who's really going to, lay out the foundation for us in, in, a, in a way that fits everyone's roles in real nice. And from what I gathered, his message to the front office when he got in charge was I don't care who you bring in. I just want motherfuckers who are tough and who are going to lead the charge with how hard they play. So I'm just going to go in there and do exactly that. I'm just going to go in there and play super hard um, playing against them in the past. They were, uh, they were very, you know, cool cool kids who come into a lot of money earlier in their athletic, lives athletic yeah. and they could just get up and down and didn't really care too much about the scoreboard I, I really care about how 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 we win and i think that there's a real opportunity for a lot of us to solidify in our careers that we're winners if we can turn this thing around make a play game make potentially you know an eighth seventh seed type deal and it's tough in the west because there's a lot of bloody good teams but if we can just Put together a really solid year where where we move the ball, where we play play hard, play the right way. I, th- I think that given the NBA is what it is, and there's a lot of teams who don't do that, like the the, the doors wide open. So that's kind of where I want to just impact the organization is come in and be exactly who I am, be hard, you know, play hard on the court, um, you know, be a good bloke, and 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 you know, hopefully mesh with the dudes there because, I mean, as you know, you you know. If you change who you are to try and fit the mold and, and, you know, help the team along, I feel like you get you get found out as a fraud eventually. That's not why
0: they brought you there. Yeah, exactly. No, nah, right.
1: so yeah. I'm just going to go in there and be exactly who I am and, and see where the card's for.
0: Yeah, I think just having a role, rebounding guy, you can obviously, yep. you know, stretch, get that confidence back from three. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see how are they, are they outlaid or outlined majority five or you place from four.
1: Uh, it'll be a majority five. They've left that they've they've left that open. You know they've kind of said to me like you're coming in to compete for for significant minutes, and that's 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 what's been laid out for me at the five.
0: Because um, ones obviously their starting five, very talented. I, I, I see him as a you know a mini Jokic to an extent once yeah. he figures it out and puts it together a little yeah. bit smaller, but. He's got that skill he's set. Talented. He can do a lot he's of shit. Talented. He can do a lot of shit, man, and, and he's sneaky athletic too, right?
1: So he's very athletic. Yeah. I think
0: you—that's a great one-two punch to have. Um, but yeah, it's going to be exciting to see. I mean, Dylan Brooks—you, you know, people people make fun of him and laugh at it's him. It's a guy me. you
1: want on your team, man. Like,
0: what was crazy was all these idiots on the internet that are like posting the China memes after he's after he's because he went at LeBron. It's like if you like—he's—he's a, he's a tough, valuable member of a team, hundred percent. And I knew he was still going to get. I didn't, I didn't think he'd get 80s, but I thought he's, someone's going to pay him double digits a year. For sure. Like, he's a tough dude. For and sure. you can't you can't value with analytics. Like, this is my thing with Russell Westbrook. People give him shit, but he shows up every night, man. Like he shows no up, and, and balls to the wall shows up. Like, there's no, like, showing up and just cruise control with him. Cops a lot of shit, but you can't put that in value. Like, you can have this, like you said, the smoothest, coolest dude. Like, but- when the going gets tough, they're either you know hurt or they're not playing yeah. hard or don't want contact or if they're not getting calls to the free throw line, the, the rip through stuff, the and stuff, then they're non-existent,
1: right? This is this is where this is where guys like um, Brooks, um, you know Westbrook, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna draw on, on on book and CP as well. Like going into a game with book and CP last year. I knew that there were. I was going to have two dudes on my team that who didn't care if you were LeBron James, who didn't care if you were Steph Curry. Like they were going to go at you and they were going to try and like beat you however they could. And a lot of guys in the NBA these days are buddy-buddy. Yeah. And they're all best mates with each other around around the circuit. So they-, they the Summertime and all that shit. Yeah, they're all chilling Same and they're agents. all laughing on the court. I have like none of that. And I like it that way because if I was like best mates with- someone on the court, like it'd be tough for me to like- Guard goes down. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So going in with guys like those guys who I know that, you know, they're friends with a lot of dudes around the circuit, but a lot of people, you know, apparently don't like CP, right? Ex- yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, I, but I, I was always super confident going into a game with CP because I was like, he doesn't give a fuck who's on the other side of the yeah. court. He is going to go at you regardless. W- with that
0: history though, we had that Clippers, yeah. that whole Clippers history and uh, yeah. I just don't like the way he goes about it kind of- you know it's weasellyish, but uh but if he was on my team, yeah, you'd love him, 100. You'd yeah, yeah love and, him. and I totally understand that. Like yeah. it's 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 uh, people say the same thing about me. Like I right. I I had, I had teammates. I had Trevor Reezer come up to me after a, after our Houston series one year, and he goes, "So when Dwight Howard was on their team, and I just I just did all the little things for us. Like fuck, like I used to poor Trevor Ariza like he he's chasing Clay off all these screens. I'm just laying him out every yeah. chance I get." getting mad at me during games, talking shit, like stop moving, stop setting moving screens. And then at the end of the series comes up to me, he goes, man, I would love to play with you, dude. To <laughs> me, that's like the biggest respect because I literally beat the shit out of you for seven games. 100%. You know, and it's the same kind of thing. So I think it's 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 interesting. But, um, but yeah, I think I think your squad will be all right. I think you'll be competitive. I mean, Van Vliet's the same. I think he's kind of a, a guy that flew under the radar yep. that no one was really talking about. And now, and now he's – and then you got you got Jay Sean there. I mean, have you met him yet?
1: Yeah, I've worked out with him. He's – Good
0: what, dude. Oh, he's just—he's one of the favorite teammates I had, just because yeah, right. he's always happy. Yeah. And uh, once you—you know—I'll let you figure it out. But once you hear his life circumstances, have a chat to him about what he dealt with growing up. Um, it's on. Actually, we had him on Road talking about it. But he, his family situation and what he had to encounter as a young fella. To see him every day and just smiling, dude, you're just like, holy shit! Crazy. Like, what excuse do I have to be, you know, yeah, loper, You know, Stop. so you, you've got you've got some good you've got some good people in that locker room. Look, I don't think you guys are going to win a championship. Um. But I think you're going to be you're going to be competitive. You might even if you don't make the plane or the playoffs. I think you're going to see a a big step in yep, Houston. I agree. Just from a competitive point of view, right? Like I think he made he commands the room, commands the locker room. It seems like he's a guy that's like, all right, you earn eighty, but you're playing like shit or don't play hard. You're not going to play, you yeah. know. And I think that's very very important. So which and which is also
1: rare, right? Like there's not many there's not many teams that like. You know, the first instance we had that happen was, was, was game three of the playoffs this year where we needed to win. Like there was no choice and DA didn't have the, the best series. Uh, I love DA and he's, he's a great fellow, but he didn't have the best series and he, he's owned that and, and, and knows that. And Monty, you know, played me through throughout the, the rest of that game. That's fucking rare. That was the first time that had ever happened our season. Every single time we'd finished out a game, our starting five was in there at the end, no matter what, because we didn't have a man who was a, you know, or something like that as a six man mm-hmm. who would kind of finish games out. Every time it was that starting five. And it's just hard to come by coaches who are willing to stick their necks out. Well,
0: like you need that. you need the front, like the,
1: the front office is the issue,
0: right? Like, so on, on most of the teams that I've been on that are mediocre or bad, it, when shit starts hitting the fan, you got the GM trying to save their job. You got the coach trying to save their job. So, so for, for fans out there, listen to this: you got a GM saying to the coach, "Like, hey, I just paid that guy fifteen million a year. You need to play him." And coach is like, "He's fucking shit. I'm right. playing hard. I don't want to play him." Right. And then then it becomes a battle of like GM and coach, owners, ER, who can get to him first. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's all these all these things, right? But I think Odoka is one of those guys that has that currency to say. You want to fucking fire me? Fire me! Fuck. Right. Me. I'm doing it my way, and I, I speak to a lot of coaches in the NBA, um, both former and present. And the biggest regrets they have is like, on, you might as well die on your own sword, dude. Might like, as well. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna die on the GM sword and then get fired because you did what the GM wanted, you're gonna go home and be like, what was I doing? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I? Like this isn't me. I wasn't. My, I didn't want to play this. Why didn't I do that? And that's a lot of regret that sinks in later. So I think you got you got a good one there. I think you you guys will be right. But your contract is breaking down. It's only one year guaranteed, right? Yeah. And they're all f- all all the next three years have options going into the off season, correct?
1: Uh, just non guaranteed years.
0: Non guaranteed, but they, but they have, S- they have a so certain they date get to make
1: a call on whether or not they, they by a certain date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep, yep. for that.
0: It's basically eight eight yep. flat for the yep. for the next
1: four years. So people have people have been like, this is a wild contract, but for me. It's not like I- a I, million dollars for a year. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. that's kind of your mindset, though, right? It, it's, yeah, you're it's still like, technically a free agent. Yeah. Well, it's also it's also like um, I'm I'm expecting to play out this thirty two million dollar contract. But at the end of the day, it's I'm just like any other human being on the planet who you know they sign a year contract. They see how they perform. If they perform up to scratch, then they get this. They you know they get mm-hmm. that extension and maybe a raise. I don't get a raise. I don't you know, necessarily need one. I'm pretty happy with where that's at and can turn around that number forever. Um, it keeps you on edge though. Like, yeah. And it keeps me hungry. hundred like, percent. If I, it was
0: guaranteed, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, there were times I signed a five year deal where you got a little niggle and you're like, mm,
1: maybe, maybe not. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like it's human nature, right? Like I don't I want to be ready for the three games later, but if I was a free agent, I'd probably be like, which is probably on the flip side bad too, because then yep. you're running yourself into a wall, and then you yep. might burn out and hurt yourself.
1: Right? See, I want to, I, I want to, and I said this at the start. I said this to India. She knows, she knows best. I said this to my parents. Like my my nature is is that you know I like I, I enjoy the process of of being hungry. I enjoy the process of um, of you know, having people kind of say, nah, he's not worth that. He's not this, he's not that. And I enjoy the process of just fucking getting up every day and getting after it. And I feel as though that con- this contract speaks to that a little bit of, hey, you're not out of the woods yet. Like, you know, 8 million bucks, you can make work for a very, very fucking long time. But like, there's more opportunity there. So why not go and get it? And I feel as though that just really ties into, uh, it ties into me as a person. And I think that it will get the best out of me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think you're in a good spot with all that coming up. You got the worlds, um, fresh off a um, not fresh, but bronze medal. Yeah, um, great Olympics, by the way. You know, obviously set in history for for the boomers and all that. It's been spoken about to death, so we don't have to go into that. Um, I think we've had we've had enough about that. Not that you can't get enough, but no. everyone knows every story about it. Um, but I guess coming up to the world, just talk that a little bit. Um, how, do, how do you think you guys are going to go first and foremost? besides the obvious cliche of like, we're, we're going to go win another medal. Yeah. That's obvious. That yeah. That's the goal. But yeah. I think now the mindset's going to change for you guys, right? Being, being probably more the hunted now.
1: Yeah, than, correct.
0: And the correct. hunter. And I think the, the psyche of the boomers historically has been where the, where the hunters, right? Like yeah. we're, we're the underdogs. Everyone laughs at us. We're Australia. Like no yeah. one respects us. We're starting to get some some currency, but we still haven't got that medal, at least when I was a part of it. So you're still kind of, uh, they're still there, but we're not that worried. Now it's a bronze top three. Right teams are worried. How, how do you think you, the guys will handle that?
1: Yeah, it's a new challenge and we have a lot of, we have a lot of young guys coming in and a lot of guys who won that medal, who just kind of stepped up to the plate and swung and hit, you know, they scored a medal. So it's, you know, the only, the only real concern out of that is, is do to people potentially think it's just going to happen. And I'm definitely not there. Uh, I don't think I ever will be, but, um, you know, you look what, what got me going was actually a couple of weeks ago, the, the, the standings came out and we came in at five or some shit. Who's above? So, US, obviously. US, France. Spain, France. Argentina? Croatia, maybe. Croatia got four? Maybe. Really? It was something like that or it Google was it. Australia, then Croatia. Okay, we can Google Or we can maybe Canada snuck in with the squad or no, some no, shit. No, no, no,
0: no. Surely, not. If Canada's in there, Canada have the most talented squad and by the time their camp starts every year, there's like 15 of them
1: are gone. Right? <laughs> um. But yeah, when I saw that, that that kind of ticked me off because I was like, how the hell do we put up the performances we have the last couple of years and we come in at five or four or something like that? What do we come at in at? Let's have a look. Let's have a look at the the power rankings. Which I mean absolutely not.
0: Spain's one. Sorry, yeah. No, we're three. We're three still.
1: Nah, we were we were last updated, 27th of Feb. There was one recently more recently Argentina than that. 4
0: so yeah Spain 1 USA 2 Australia 3 um, I think I think France, might have France Serbia up. Slovenia Lithuania Croatia. that no would have seen this is one I'm missing So regardless it's like how the fuck is Spain first yeah. right And in the power rankings it's the US first so who knows come on people get your shit
1: together Yeah so we came in at 4 right but on it's- the World Cup power power rankings. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how like I looked at that and Slovenia I Slovenia like, five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was yeah. the one I saw. How is that possible that Spain come in at two when they haven't done anything in a while? Well, Spain,
0: the Euros, I think they did pretty well, didn't they? Didn't they win the Euros?
1: Yeah, but like did we lose a game in the East Asia Cup? <laughs> <laughs> and the, you know, oh, the, the Ocea- oh, well the is too. Oh that's right. Like so That hurts us. We're in we're in a
0: you know for for these rankings. We get hurt because you know the Euros like in the non Olympic World Cup years like we're playing against Iran and yeah China's
1: probably our toughest battle whereas they're playing against Spain yeah Ukraine, Croatia yeah so. it's not fair but it got me going regardless because I'm petty um that's a good thing Stick yeah. it on
0: your locker room wall exactly but Dominican um, Republic twelve bizarre
1: right I think they've got they got Carl Anthony Towns or something these days they put a, they put a little trio together in Dominican Republic I mean, you
0: know. Carl, Carl does. he's, he's changed the game. Once yep. he retires, he's going to, he's change, change the game. I'm not, not sure how we've discussed that on our pod, but, uh. <laughs>
1: Correct. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. We've got, we've got a lot of young bucks. We've got a lot of guys who haven't, haven't had a medal. And I mean, you know how the, I don't want to say young bucks are these days, because I like to consider myself still somewhat young, but <clears throat> you know, the fresh guys coming in, a lot of them these days are more into the lifestyle than they are basketball. And, you just hope that we're not we're not bringing that in. And I will say that like one bloke in particular who's caught my eye as not being that in the slightest is Dyson Daniels. Yeah, I've heard he's been killing. M- mate, he's been fucking awesome and he plays his balls off every night. I think he's going to be a big in for us at this World Cup.
0: Well, someone was telling me even as, as a 16-year-old, he was talking to a friend of a friend um, of mine and was basically like, I want to be the best defender Like I can be the best defender in Australia at that point or or, all my team. I can be the best defender. Like I already had that mindset of like, yeah, yeah, I can score and get in the lane, but
1: I can like lock shit down. Um, That's what, that's what the boomers need. I, 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 didn't realize how good he was until i played with him just recently and it was like holy crap this dude is damn near a starter for us like he's that good um so i think that there's some young guys coming in i know josh green has got a real chip on his shoulder every day every second of his life so he's going to be ready to go <laughs> um i heard jack white's been born jack white's unreal he'll yeah, i had him i wouldn't be surprised if he's a starting four man for really us. Mm.
0: See, I had him. We did our picks, uh, way too early picks, and I had I had him getting in one of the last spots. And people were like, "Oh, what, Jack White?" I'm like, "Man, he does a lot of things that no one else is." He covers up a lot for you. I
1: just like, and he knows how to fucking play. I I think of the lineup with him and Matisse out there, and I'm like, "You got two dudes who just cover ground, and then stick Dyson in there, like, yeah, those are three guys that just." Do you have enough shooting on
0: perimeter? Patty and Joey. Other than Patty and Joey,
1: Um, CG, well, Bubbles is obviously can shoot it. Jack White can really shoot the ball. He's been shooting the hell out of that. Yeah, he can yeah. really I'll, shoot the ball. numbers were, were really good. I'll get back to 40%. Um, but
0: that's what it's going to come down to, you know, with 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 yeah, Fever ball, you know how it is. The one the one chip for Dyson is that three ball still inconsistent for him. Yeah. Um so you just you know and
1: Josh Green shot the crap out of yeah,
0: the ball Josh had a really he had a really good couple of weeks in the NBA yeah. he was kind of up and down as well but he had a couple of weeks where he was like six for seven for three so coming in as a non-shooter right yeah. the NBA draft so he's, he's worked at it but um, how do you see a pool going man um, Japan Finland and Germany tough team I think it's a sleepy it's a sleepy group man like it's, it's I feel like we always
1: I feel like we always cop a really tough group.
0: Finland like you got
1: Larry Markkinen
0: yeah like he's he's most improved player, like he's had a hell of a run, and he's a he's a gunner for them. I think he plays the five, so I'm yeah. fucked. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gonna be running off a lot of screen, like a mini Jokic type role, yeah. running off pin oh, downs mate. and shit. And then Germany, you know Schroeder and a little bit yeah, Germany. shoulder, they'll play hard.
1: Yeah, we played against Germany in the pre pre tournament of the World Cup, right? And they yep. were they were bloody good. And then then we solid. played against them last year at the Olympics. I feel like they didn't bring their full roster, but they gave us a good game. Yeah. Um, Japan's obviously- they, They'll just they, be fundamental Japan that way. Yeah, they, they play crazy. They lost Rui Hachimura as well, so I'm not too he stressed. Out, he? He's out, out, so okay. I'm not too stressed about yeah. them. Um, but but Finland with Lowry, like Lowry can really go off, and I've seen him play in the Euro Cup and stuff. He's he's unreal. And I think they have a young- They have a guard who's quite good, so that's a little one-two punch that might, might be tough to contain. But- um, yeah, no, mate. It's it's a tough group, and we we just you know, as you know, you've got to win these games. You can't come out of that first group down to you know one one and two or something. You have got to get two of them at least, at least. It's top two through, right?
0: Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So yep. yeah, I mean, and then yeah, the second position puts you in a worse pool, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you want to you want to win through, but um, yep. yeah. What about your uh,
1: personal life, man? Getting getting married. Get married, down. yeah. We're gonna get married after the Olympics, which is gonna be good. So I'll be seeing you with the kids out in uh, London, no doubt. Brutal trip for us, brother. <laughs>
0: but no, we'll we'll be there. Uh, yeah, it's a year away. We can plan, but kids will be old enough to travel then. Yeah, but, uh, no, that
1: should be good. Far from that, mate. Just um, uh, dealing with some fun stuff on the side, and 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 that's kind of it. That's what are you?
0: What are you? What are you going towards right now, away from the court? Trying to, you know, obviously, yeah. Deeply in love and young love's beautiful, you know. So you're,
1: as uh, she stands over there completely clueless. We're talking about it.
0: Misses over there just showed up before and you gave her a nice wo- smile and a wink. So yeah. still deeply in love. It's good to see Jock. Yeah, yeah, um, but, yeah. but what are you What are you finding for your mentals away from the game, trying to get away from things? Have you found any hobbies? Have you found yeah.
1: any likes? What do you- Yeah, mate. I, I do as much of a hard time as you get give me for it. I do enjoy the photography and I'm kind of putting together <laughs> a little bit of like a, a, a book on that, which is awesome. Um you know, I had the camp thing going, which is a big focus for me, but that fell through, unfortunately. What happened there? Mate, I I was advised by three doctors, my mates will give me a hard time about this, but I was advised by three doctors that I had meningitis, and it turns out that I didn't. So, we, you know, this was on the Friday night. We had the camp at 6 a.m., uh, 9 a.m. on the Saturday. And the doctors, all three of them, I kept calling doctors, like, hey, can I go, can I go? And they were just like, absolutely not. Like, with the symptoms you're showing and everything, don't go. Turns out it was just the flu. Um, but at the same time, it was like, mate, if I went into a camp and, you know, gave all these kids the flu or yeah. something, it's just not a great look. So, yeah, really apologetic to all of the families and we're putting something special together for them and all the kids. But, um, you know, I was in Phoenix, so we we, we we got on the golf course a fair bit. Um, golf course is great. Um, you know, love- uh, fucking around with the dog. The dog just takes so much time through the day and all that kind of stuff. But, mate, with a little bit more, a little bit more um cheddar in my pocket, I'm hoping that uh, <laughs> I can have some have some more fun in terms of the hobbies and stuff. So we'll see what I can come up with. So no hobbies then, just photography, really. Yeah, just photography, golf. Um, like I don't know. You, when
0: you say golf, are you just golf because every other NBA player is golf, or nah, are you actually
1: serious about nah, it? Nah, I, I actually really really enjoy it, and yeah. um, you know, I I. Played, not, I wouldn't say, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not Steph, like, I'm not going and playing tournaments, but I can't believe he won a tournament, by the way. crazy. He's man. just, he's, he's a freak, <laughs> isn't he?
0: I've told people, like, if you, if you just made a game up, like, hey, throw this microphone in that thing over there, like, within three, he's like nailing it. You're just like, like, it's
1: not fair. Like, yeah. he's just one of those guys that just, he just, he just has it on top crazy. of work ethic, of course, but crazy. Um, yeah. apart from that, mate, I, I do enjoy. Um, like I do a lot of research around like watches and stuff. I think we've spoken about it a little bit. Yep. So that's a little bit of a hobby for me, just keeping up to date. I haven't got too many of them, but, um, stuff like that. Uh, I do, I, you know, I need to find some more hobbies and I, I fucking love cards, but the Mrs. hates cards. So I'm trying to, I need to find some people to play with. in Cards. A, of cards. Yeah. As in what card poker? Uh, I've just got around this new game, Canasta. Have you ever played Canasta? Uh, is it with a, with a, Regular deck of cards, so it's yeah. Regular deck of cards. Regular okay. deck of cards. You can put money on it, but I I typically don't. Um, and- you got to put money on it, man. You need you need to have a bit of a sweat, man. You can't. I, I I'm in it for I'm in it for just the competitive aspect of it. It's fucking awesome.
0: So. Yeah, the competitive aspect is a bit a little bit more cash, and then you're like you know.
1: Yeah, but I haven't had any cash till till till. Oh, I'm now. not saying you <laughs> to
0: gamble thousands of millions. Just put a little bit on yeah, there. Yeah, a little, little, bit, little, little like bit, a little bit of fun, a little drops to the national team. You know, what
1: are, what are your what are your hobbies? Apart from the pod.
0: Poker, poker, poker pod, poker, poker, and uh, my kid, like I've been around my kids a lot. Um, you know, real, you know, interesting situation just because I don't have to work, so I've, I've I actually enjoy picking my kids up from school, dropping them off. Yeah, um, probably around too much for my yeah. kids, like because they come home and they're like, why don't like they still don't understand why I don't work. <laughs> right, <laughs> I think they think it's normal. They think, they think oh yeah. Mum and dad just – they sit at home and wait for kids to come right, home from school. Right. Like, Try to explain to them, like, this shit's not normal. Right. So I'm trying to get out of the house more sometimes now, because yeah. I'm like, it's not a good thing neither. But yeah. I, I cherish, like, being able to go and go to, like, Father's Day thing they do at school. All that kind of stuff, like, which my parents could never do because they work so much, right? So being able to do that, it's the most important times of their lives. So I do a lot of that, play a lot of poker online and in person – uh, podcast takes a bit of time dealing with pro shit and putting to, putting together run sheets and all that kind of stuff.
1: So Mate, r- pe- people always talk about like, oh, you know, you've got to find a hobby. You've got to find a hobby. Like what? What the fuck hobbies are there to do? I don't even know what hobbies well, you could, there are to do. Reading
0: books. You could, um, you know, everyone's don't do podcasting. Everyone's doing that. Every dickhead's doing that
1: these days. Um, I actually thought about it for a second there. Yeah, I did think about it, and I was like.
0: It's a lot of time, like it's, it's and that's it's, it's too many
1: people doing for it. For
0: me, it was good because it was post-retirement, and it's it's actually kept me close to the game. Right. So that's why I've enjoyed doing it, right. especially during COVID because we couldn't really do much. So it kept me close to talking about the game and, right. and staying in tune with what's going on. Like I enjoy, I enjoy like the you know the mental aspect of basketball as much as a physical, like right. like schemes and like, how do we get, how do we stop this guy? Like I coach, coach my kids' local school, their older group and enjoyed that. Like, it's just, I, I love that part of the game. It's right. a warfare of it. So maybe I'll coach one day. I just don't, I don't want to do any of that with my kids. I don't, I don't want to be moving around. You know, yeah. if you go on the coaching game, you you at a whim gone. Yeah. You go, you get fired. You're going over there. I don't, I don't yeah, want to have man. them go through
1: the- through Mate, you own the club. You just tell them, hey yeah. boys, I'm <laughs> stepping Sign in. Sign myself, Yeah, yeah Sign exactly. Coach. exactly. but
0: um but yeah, that's that's kind of what I'd be. Yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd, I'd highly re- regard or influence you to find something. And photography yeah. sounds like a tit, but even oh, if it's just reading or, you know, I did I I studied a few courses while I was in the NBA. Yeah, you uh, told me that. So I think like just just finding something where you can, for me, it was poker. Like I loved it when we, we got on a plane. Play, we play poker so much, and I love it so much that we go on five-hour cross-country flights, and I, we'd be like, All time. "Don't land yet, yeah. <laughs> don't land yet." <laughs> Couple you know? of circles. Whereas boys. when you're not playing, yeah. like those flights are brutal, right? So yeah. it was, poker for me was a game that literally, whatever happened on the basketball court, once you once you're in that bubble of, of playing, and like I've just Draymond just something. Draymond just bluff me and showed me like fuck him, and then Steph just won a big pot, and or even just playing with randoms that aren't big names, you kind of like. Get lost in it, yeah. And it's, it's about a, the game. It's such a good refresh, right? Yeah,
1: I'm not good at that. Like the long flights are tough for me. And mate, to be honest with you, like a lot of the a lot of the hobbies that really interest me uh a in our contracts where we can't do them. Like coming from the, coming from you know up in Denny and stuff. Like I fucking love motorbike riding, and one of the things I want to do is I really want dirt bikes, to- dirt bikes. I want to get out there? I want to go. One of my best mates, uh, Dougal Hamilton, he jumped uh, on a bike with his brother and went like across Colorado on it through, you know, Grand Canyon areas and like- On a dirt bike. It looked fucking unbelievable. You're not it, doing that for a while, brother.
0: Let me correct. give you a tip. You're not doing that until
1: you're, until you're done playing. And then, like, you know, I, I used to really enjoy cross-country skiing and I used to enjoy just going up and hitting the slopes a little bit. So, like, all my all my hobbies are like yeah. that and it's like <laughs> hiking and stuff. Like, I can't go hike a fucking mountain in the middle of the season. Like, so it's just, like, a lot of my hobbies that I really want to do, like traveling the world, doing stuff like that, I, I just won't be able to do for a very long time. So, you skydiving in Mitch Creek? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely. Not.
0: But I I yeah, I was – I grew up a gearhead, right? Yeah. Dad was mechanic, so um, I, I had some toys um, while I was playing. I had a Harley Davidson for a while. No one knows this, and I sent it to Croatia. Actually, the because it sat for so long for eleven months a year in Croatia. Yeah, we come for about a month a year in the off season. The motor sees mid mid ride one time. The break the break uh, break sees. Then we my wife and I came off it. Bullshit. Um, How yeah. fast? Thankfully, we'll go on like you know, you know, in Europe they have all the boom parking. Yeah, we'll yeah, just yeah. going around the boom gate and the thing just like locked completely and just we sat down to sc- scuff scuffed my ankle. No one no one knew or found out about it. Right. And then um before that in Milwaukee, I went and bought I bought a four-wheeler and I put a a, a winch on it and put a um I used to I put a plow on the front. So I used to plow my own driveway <laughs> sometimes, just being a dickhead, like i oh, I can afford this. I'm just going to buy it. So I did it like three or four times. i like, fuck this. This takes way too long. Yeah. And then I also bought a, um, a snowmobile. Oh, <laughs> so that's great. So I come home from practice, like no one knew. And cause the snowboarding was cool. Cause you have the big ass helmet on. Yeah. No one knows who the fuck you are. And, uh, and in Wisconsin, they have, um, snowmobile trails everywhere. No so shit. Like, you can, I could go out of my house, cross the main, um, I was on a main road, cross the main road and there was trails through forests
1: and you just go carve them up
0: and you just go carve them up. And there's like, there'd be like bars and restaurants on the trails.
1: Wow, that's so, fucking awesome. Yeah, so
0: I would just go out and slam But I was, never, I was never a guy that was like stupidly um, like, I'm going to thrash this and try to hit a tree and hurt myself. So I right. try to – I take my missus on the back sometimes and we go out. But like per NBA contract, if they, if they find out, they can't do anything. It's if you get hurt doing it, right? Then you're so, fucked. Then you, and I had jet skis in Melbourne. So I was always doing that stuff, but within reason, right? And that's – that's the biggest challenge because you like feel like especially your I know some of your mates so they're all doing crazy shit oh, and yeah. going out and yeah. camping and and boats and all that kind of stuff. You kind of want to do it, but then you're like, "Fuck! Like, I can't be too much of an idiot." Hundred percent. If something does happen, and then you're gonna try yeah, to figure are. out a way of like, I hurt myself on a bike. How can I <laughs> make this look like I was training?
1: <laughs> yeah, mate. We've we've actually managed it. So we. Uh, this is a a great story and i have a video to back it up as well but one of my mates we're all up the farm just having a good time one of my mates jumped in a paddock bomb and for people who don't know paddock bombs are they're just like cars you pick up on the side of the road completely illegal to drive on the roads you throw them on the farm and you just cruise around the farm with them and one of them you know he'd just gotten there he'd bought a paddock bomb on the way up to the farm 500 bucks off the side of the road and he comes tearing down this long road that we've got on the farm to the paddock. We were all out there. We were shooting clays and just, you know, relaxing as the fellas. We, we'd go away and we'd do these kind of weekends once a year. And um, he pulls up, hanging out the window, like steering the car, doing starts doing circle work for 10 minutes. And this paddock is fucking massive. So, it's just like he had no excuse to hit anything. Anything. He found it. He found a motor, one of dad's motorbikes, ran straight over the top of it because he was in reverse, backs up for like a good three, four seconds, just straight over the top of it. We fully crafted this story where- Like a nice bike, decent bike? Mate, it was a Honda- It's like a decent bike. Yeah, like- it was. I, I want to say it was a Honda 250 or something like that. Yeah. Like it was a big boy bike and it was really nice. So he fucking crashes over this this bike and we fabricated this whole story for like four years and we told him, hey, mate, like this guy was driving the motorbike- he hit a log, flipped over the front, comes off scot free. I think we might have like punched him in the face to give him a bruise or something yeah. like that. Um, comes off the front of the motorbike. The motorbike's completely fucked. And we'd done a few things where we'd messed up some of Dad's machinery the last couple times of times. Like we sunk his boat. Or yeah, something I remember like that, that story. Yeah, yeah. Destroyed so, his hose too. Yeah. He, oh, <laughs> let's relax. Um, and so. We uh we 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 went through this whole thing where we just made up like this story. So I reckon I'd be a bit of a seasoned vet if I got a motorbike had an accident. Like I'd be able to come up with figure something. out a like, way. The boys were in town and ran over it. I'd go to Does the. Does he knows? Does he know about the? Yeah, motorbike? Yeah, he goes. He knows. He's seen the video. We, we told him like a year ago. Oh, we might have showed him at the engagement party. Actually, I think that's when we told him.
0: Yeah. It was gold. It was gold. Love of farm stories, man. You can't beat it. But uh, <laughs> just finished some Q and A's from fans on our Twitter, Facebook, and um. Instagram we'll just do one of each but uh, a bunch of people want to know um, what do we have here well you mentioned which teams were interested so we don't need to answer that one why aren't you taking pros calls is the other one but we don't have to get into that one too much who is your favorite teammate of all time that's from uh, YDB on Twitter oh
1: Mate, I'm actually going to say it's probably – and and this isn't just because I'm on your podcast, but I would say that I speak to you the most out of any of my old teammates, so it would be you or Chris Goulding.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I appreciate it, man. No yep. pressure. No yeah, pressure.
1: no pressure at all. But you and CG were definitely the, my two favorites and who I probably speak to the most out of any of my old teammates. Yep. Oh, and, and Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, I was going to say, you, got, you guys answered a fair bit on uh, yep. on Twitter. Yeah, yep. Mikhail um a couple of, my, a couple of my, uh, my teammates this year, like Cam Payne and Cam Johnson, were, were probably some of the best as well. So, yeah, you five would be out there. Beautiful. All right, Facebook,
0: Sue Alan Landau, by the way, said <laughs> be nice to Jock. So, always, always nice <laughs> to Jock. <laughs> Thanks, mum. Harley Phillips says, a massive Suns fan here and very sad to see you go, but happy you got paid. Super stoked for that. Just wondering what you love most about Phoenix and what you're looking forward to most um about houston
1: yeah we loved we loved the 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 weather having played in cold places a long time phoenix's weather um the golf courses and and kind of the mountains that we got to hike for the year were, were some of the best um and then, you know, we were able to really go and just sitting – we found a few favourite coffee shops we'd go sit in and there'd be regular people just come up and sit down and have a chat with us for an hour or something like that. So just just the general vibe being relaxed in Phoenix was awesome as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that no, yeah. makes sense. And Phoenix a cool city. Yeah, um, really cool. Yeah, a lot, a lot of cool things. A lot of Hispanic influence too, good, yeah. good Hispanic restaurants. I always enjoyed my time in Phoenix. Yeah, and I always had it on kind of a list that if I ever went anywhere and if I ever was a free agent, I'd definitely like to look there because I was like, it's cool, man. Like Some players didn't really like it because small, city and all that but yeah I'm an outdoor guy I like like to like to go out and get motorbikes through the hills yeah beautiful yeah. beautiful <laughs> last one is from Instagram what do we have here Um, what's the biggest difference between the Spurs and Suns culture slash environments um, and what, what role are you expecting to play in Houston
1: um, well, the Spurs and, the Spurs and sons cultures were pretty much predicated off one another. I mean, Monty was a Spurs guy. He came from the Spurs. Um, and so a lot of the lessons that pop kind of taught him through his playing career there. And I think he coached a little while there as well. I think he kind of bought to, um, to the Phoenix. So there, there wasn't too many cultural differences, um, You know, you went in there looking forward to seeing the people in there every day, and that's that's always really nice when when you know you're not like oh fuck I gotta sit down and speak with this bloke again or whatever it might be. So that was really good. Um, Monty was 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 an open door, Um, could go and chat to him anytime, and and the the assistant coaches and all of the staff and players were just a group of great blokes that I really have nothing bad to say about them as a as a collective. Um, Surely I've got one. So so surely
0: Phoenix weren't. So we-
1: <laughs> They didn't play mind games with you, if that's what you're about no, to- No, 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 no. Okay. It
0: wasn't going there, but that's another thing. But yeah. um, we, we checked into or checked out of hotels and crossed over the Spurs a couple of times because, you know, when you go to LA, Spurs might've just played the Clippers. Yeah. And we checked. Whenever I would see the Spurs staff and people, these people were like fucking robotic military people, man. Yeah. Like I'm talking from like just putting their bags on the baggage carousel. It was yeah. all army
1: like, all yeah. same haircuts, Yeah. all like college shirts. That's it fair. Couldn't have been like that in Phoenix. Nah, it's not at all. We had some real personalities. I mean, we had one of your old teammates, Jarrett Jack. Yeah, J Serious cool. I like JJ. personality. Yeah. I fucking love J yeah, jack JJ. Still JJ's chat cool. to him a lot. Um, yeah, the staff. The staff was definitely not. What you're saying, there definitely weren't Spurs the Spurs is insane, man. I've, ne- yeah, I've never tough. seen anything like it. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, you got, they got Nelly there. Yeah. I mean, Nelly, Nelly was a,
0: the, the crazy thing is Nelly was the complete opposite of what I like,
1: mold as a Spurs guy when I play with him. Like lose, <laughs>
0: taking the piss, doing pranks on people, like yeah. fucking around, sweat, you know. And then
1: and and he's still Nelly. Like he's he, that's never changed. But you can tell when he steps on the floor, it's it's Spurs you know, Nelly. It's like yeah, correct. <laughs> this is alter ego or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, now nah, Monty, Monty did a great job of letting everyone's characters kind of shine and he would let the assistants assistant coaches really have the last say if they wanted to. So he was all inclusive. Um, that's not to say that pop wasn't. And I really didn't, I mean, I was there for a year, you know, I, I didn't really see pop at his fine, uh, um, pop at his finest winning championships and stuff cause we weren't that good. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely an aspect of of that still floating around, and and just in terms of the st- training staff as well. Like the training staff at the Spurs was very regimented and strict, and um, you know, San Antonio, um, the Suns was a lot of characters. We had a lot of characters. It was a great time, mate. It was just one big fucking party. So, and the fact that I don't know if you caught wind of this, but <clears throat> the
0: Spurs know every fucking thing you do in that city. Yeah, so perhaps. when you play for the Spurs, they know. Everywhere you go, like you can go to a local hole-in-the-wall bar yeah. and have a shot of tequila. Yeah. I've heard stories of pop walking in saying, "How was your tequila yesterday?" I've legit heard that. I've heard like I, I had teammates of mine tell me and former teammates that were there, they'd be at a random restaurant and the, and the waiter would send out a bottle of wine from pop, <laughs> just like a little subtle "fuck you." I know you're at that restaurant. Don't stay out too late.
1: We've 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 had we've had multiple instances where we were sitting at dinner and we'd be like, "We'll just right, get the bill." It's happened three times Take to us of. in like three weeks, three times three weeks. Hey, we we'll just grab the bill. That's done. What do you mean it's done? Pop paid for it, or <laughs> RC Buford paid for yeah. it, and we're like, what? What the fuck? Like, how do they know? Yeah, how the hell are they? Yeah. Where are they? And Pop they'd it. just not be there. Yeah or they they'd they'd have come and gone or whatever but mate unbelievable like they'd just be there and and that's kind of cool because like these are the top dogs just paying for me some bum off the And the community mentioned. loves you guys there too like yeah, good, good or yeah, bad
0: but yeah. I, I know some team some some former teammate who had they didn't have drinking problems they like to get a drink and yeah. the, that would then get past the Spurs <clears> and that would factor in they'd come up in their uh you know
1: extension meetings, extension meetings or yeah. free agency
0: meetings like we well, oh, we know we know you like to get on the drink and this They're like what? Yeah. what what do you mean like well you know yeah we've got people in town so you, it is like a pi there but just thinking to your contract man um you know thir- you know eight, 80, eight in your first year i remember our first training camp together you, you fucked my back up so did i really really bad like uh, i felt like you almost jumped on it so i'm gonna potentially file proceedings um because my back i i put it down to you man like i had a had a great 13 year nba 14 year nba career that one boomers camp i think that's what that's what fucked my back man so (laughs) i potentially will be sinking council and i think a couple of mil of that eight will be square what do you think
1: no comment (laughs) no comment
0: for those with half a brain you'll know where i'm going with that um doing the smart things taking the high road but (laughs) i appreciate you dropping by first uh interview in the in, in the studio that were built so you've, you've christened it um forever kind of like the wall at andrew burger basketball back in the day when you yeah were correct at, uh, yeah you, you still owe
1: me in, five grand for that for
0: the concrete block <laughs> but yeah we appreciate it man we're, we're big supporters of you i i am everyone knows that um even though you were the one united year i kind of blocked you out as a mate but other than, <laughs> that, other than that we're real good yeah. um we wish you all the best man all our all our, all our fans and followers really respect your journey I think um, the ups and downs you had through college and bouncing back, and then having a great, great finish to that, doing the the tough roads. We, we really didn't get into Europe because I know you got a shitload of stories from there as well. But going through that route and coming back, and now finally getting some some sort of security, I think you've earned it. Um, and I think everyone's everyone's really proud. And now you know, go and get a, another medal that's hopefully not bronze and, and a different color, and will be great.
1: Thanks, brother. Appreciate you having me.
0: Let's get row.